Hello, hello, and welcome back to A Quiet Divorce. I'm Jackie, and thank you so much for tuning in this week. So this week's episode is The Next Move. We left off last week with a piece of advice that I had for all of you, and that is to not be afraid to rewrite your story if the first story no longer serves you. And as much as I would love to think or believe that my marriage would last forever, and the vows we took until death do us part is what was honored. But the reality is our chapter is ending and it is up to us or me to continue writing the next chapter. So on that note, let's write. It was now the end of April with a few more weeks until my move out date and I haven't even packed anything yet. All of this happened in a matter of a few months time, so fast, it almost didn't seem real. Much like my dear cousin-in-law's sudden passing. But in the same thought, I'd rather have a resolution, know the truth, versus trying to work it out only to realize it really isn't going to work at all. I have been looking at those cardboard boxes folded up in my closet for a week now, and I just didn't know how to start packing. How do you pack up 10 years of your life in a few weeks? I didn't want my kids to see me packing. I felt like it would have been too hard to explain why I was leaving. And at the same time, not being able to actually tell them the truth about their dad and what he did to us, to me. There are so many moments I wanted to just scream and tell them why but they're too young to understand what was right from what was wrong. So I would pack my things bit by bit in the middle of the night and hide the boxes in my closet. I did a few boxes every night until the job was done. I did continue to sleep on the couch while the distance between my ex and I just got wider and wider with each passing day. We haven't spoken in weeks now. But on this one particular Tuesday, he decided to speak. He wanted to confirm my move-out date. As if he was worried I would change the date, or maybe worse, not move out at all. But he actually had the audacity, the nerve, to recommend a moving company to me. (laughs) Pure moving company is what it was called, and I'll never forget. I said, are you serious? I could not believe that the only thing he had to say to me in weeks was not I'm sorry or explain about what happened, but he's referring a moving company to me. I was simply shocked and just speechless, not to mention disgusted by his nonchalant demeanor. Like he was doing me a favor, the type of favor you would do for a friend. But you know what? Even lying to your friends would be wrong, let alone your wife. But he doesn't think he did anything wrong. That this was all my fault, he said. So why don't we recap for a moment, ladies? He lies to me about the ownership of the house used our community funds to pay for it, kicks me out of this house, 
and now you're recommending a moving company to me to move out. I could not believe this man. And he actually thought he was being nice. Could this be my first sign that I'm dealing with a narcissist? I simply walked away in attempts to avoid an argument that I just didn't have it in me to have. It was now a week or so until I officially move out and the last few days were pretty intense. But we had to keep the peace for the kids so it would be less traumatic for them to see me leave. But we did decide it was time to tell them what was going on. Our first attempts at co-parenting was breaking the news to our kids and we decided to do it by taking them to the house I was renting so they could get familiar with the two. I was so nervous to tell them. Breaking the news, oh, I knew I was making the right decision, but I didn't have any idea how they would take it, how they would feel. My oldest was seven and my youngest was four at the time. We all got into the car and started driving towards the house, which was only six blocks away. I started the conversation by saying that mommy got a new house and that we wanted to show it to them. They were actually very excited to see it, which made me feel even worse, like I was tricking them in some way. But I stayed strong and promised myself I wouldn't cry. Holding in my tears simply wasn't easy when it came to these two boys. I love them so much, and the idea that I knew of all their dad's crimes, but I had to uphold their vision of him at the same time? I mean, in their eyes, he can do no wrong. I had to fight against all my natural instincts to speak the truth. I will in time, just not now. As we walked in, the boys already expressed how close it was to their dad's house, and that they liked it. But then my oldest asked me, why do we need a new house? Are we going to live here too? I did most of the talking and my main message to them was that mommy and daddy are working things out and I'm going to live here for a while until we can figure it out. But why? Why are you leaving? Oh, the tears started to well up and the feeling of failure overtakes all my emotions. My youngest asked, can we live here too? Of course, you will be here with mommy half of the time and the other weeks you are gonna be with your dad. I felt like I was abandoning them even though I know, I know in my heart, I wasn't going anywhere. It's crazy the things you will do for your kids and their future happiness, even if it means sacrificing your own. I knew this was the best, for the best but it was also hard to see the end goal when all you want to do is band-aid their pain immediately. But this would all take time for us to heal, all of us. The tour was now over and we headed back to his house to somewhat normalize what was so not normal. I later took both boys to the park without their dad to help ease the confusion and pain my kids must have felt when I gave them the news, but also to give them a glimpse of how life would be, that it would be okay, just a little different. That night I 
sat in our living room thinking about all the events of that day and really trying to wrap my head around everything that has happened and that will happen in the coming weeks. And two very distinctive things came to mind. First, the whole time we were at the new house talking to our kids, he remained emotionless, like he felt nothing. Like this wasn't his life we were talking about or his marriage that's falling apart. That his kids are sad that their mom is leaving and all by his doing, he just didn't seem to care. That's the part I had a really hard time swallowing. I upheld his image for him, for my kids. Every part of me wanted to shout out the truth, what he did to me, to us. But then the other part of me felt that the truth would be revealed in time. And if there's anything I have learned through experiences, past and present, is ladies, karma is real. The second thing I was thinking is I decided to look over that document asking me to leave this house and I read it over with a fine tooth comb. And as I was reading it, I started to realize what was happening and how I dodged a major bullet. If I didn't or wasn't able to find a new residence, a new place to live, I wouldn't be in the best position to fight for 50-50 custody. So by forcing me to leave, with no place to live, nowhere to go, he placed me in the perfect position for him to get full custody. So on top of all the lies, he wanted to take my kids too. In addition, that document stated that he took care of our kids the majority of the time, not me. And that I worked evenings, when in fact, we worked the same nine to five schedule, Monday through Friday. Now I understand, now I see why he was so shocked when I found a place to rent. He didn't think I could do it, that I would have the credit or the money to do so. That is why he asked everyone in the family to ignore me, ignore my calls, texts, and emails, basically ignore any cries I had for help. He didn't want anyone to help me get back on my feet. Man, this is one calculated person that made a major miscalculation when he underestimated me. His plans to try and ruin me failed and his failed attempts to make me appear incapable of being a mother to my kids failed too. Now my tears turn into rage and from that night, and I mean from that night, I knew the fight I was up against and I was getting ready. I finished packing more of my things that night and I stayed in the room downstairs as I was actually on the phone talking to his cousin, venting a bit more about everything. He was such a good listener. But more so, I was thanking him for his help with the house, helping me find it, and just being such an amazing friend through this crazy time. I was always very grateful for the fact that he took a stand and treated me like a person, a friend that needed help, versus the rest of the family, the way they treated me, like a stranger, like they didn't even know me, like I wasn't the mother of their grandkids. Speaking of my mother-in-law, 
But that's another thing about Asian culture. If you're not in the family, or if you aren't tied by blood, then you simply have no place in their circle. When they decide, you have no place in their circle. I couldn't sleep the rest of that night as I was still trying to recover from the big reveal day with my kids, knowing that there will be more questions, sadness, and uncertainty. But I was getting ready and I felt comfortable with my decision. I had a plan, I had a place to live and a job to support myself. So all that was left to do was wait. Wait for the day I'm officially separated. Wait for the day my new life will begin. And waiting for the day I say goodbye to him and my previous life with him. Wow, 10 years gone, just like that. But you know, there's a classic, classic saying, when it rains, it pours. Because I'm about to get another surprise that I simply did not see coming, ladies. On that note, we will continue next Friday with the first night. Until next week, bye for now.